When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Drink it in now. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread! <laughs> Drink it in now. Detroit Kool-Aid, what's going on, everybody? We are back. I got Griff here with me. Griff, what's going on? Not much, man. Just happy uh, football's back and actually seeing a real game. Yes, sir, man. We had Lions football last Friday, and, man, all I could think of was – That's a Rod Allen sound clip right off the get-go for you, Griff, and that's the last bit of baseball talk or any type of baseball, anything that will be on this podcast. we got to get Rod Allen when we can. Yeah, you, you, uh, realize, about it. you realized everybody just stopped listening to us because you played Rod Allen, correct? Oh, no way, man. Here's another one for you. Everybody was saying woo-wee when they were thinking about Lions football and us talking uh, the first preseason game, Grifka. We got to stay up until 1030 and watch them start playing football. It was like 1 a.m. when it was halftime. Incredible. So um, they are playing games. We'll get to that here in a bit. But we're going to start off here with a little bit of news and notes. So the first thing I got here, again, we don't mess around on the Kool-Aid cast. We get right into football, which we know you guys love. So we're just going to get right to it. Grifka, Graham Glasgow going down with an injury yesterday. Um, Thought they might have to shake up that offensive line. Um, But we did hear he's back today. Uh, Any thoughts on that? Or were you worried at all when you heard about our center going down? Well, when I read that he was injured and he walked gingerly off the field and, you know, right to the uh, locker room for uh, treatment, you know, I was a little worried. I mean, because I know we've had this discussion before how I feel about using a rookie center, you know, protecting our main investment. But then uh, I heard that uh, he was back today and I know they did, you know, use Ragnall some at center, you know, just probably once again to uh, make sure if he's if he's needed there, he can handle the position. Um, even if they're looking to use Wesley Johnson or not, so was was I? I wasn't too worried about it because it didn't sound like you know that uh, he was uh, done for an extended period amount of time. You know, not one of those Taylor Decker injuries or anything like that. But um, it was nice to uh, see that uh, he did come. He did make it back to practice today. Yeah, man. Like sometimes you can't tell when you get these reports. You know, he, he went down. He walked off under his own power. If it's bad, but. Um, it was really nice to hear he was back. He was in pads. They said he didn't do too much. And I, I like what you said, too, about they were able to give Glasgow a little bit of work. Um, I mean, not Glasgow, Rag now uh, in the middle there, which was really nice. So um, anytime they can put these guys in different positions, interchange them a little bit, maybe even take a little weight off uh, Graham Glasgow for a day or so, you know, that can only help the rookie. So I, I felt good about that. Um, another thing I had on my list, Griff, because it feels like the last couple of years, like Bobby Quinn's just been turning over this roster left and right every day, bringing in tryout players, looking at people. I know it's camp where we still got 90 guys out there, um, but it doesn't seem like we've been doing too many visits, bringing people in. 
Do you like that? Do you not like that? What are you thinking about the activity level from the front office and uh, with the head coach? Is that a good thing that they're not bringing people in because they like who they have, or are we kind of um, not not uh, kicking every tire out there? What do you think? I think uh, Bobby Quinn's got to the point where a lot of the team he likes what he has. So you're right; he's not having to bring in all these guys, you know, playing in like all these independent leagues or guys just out working out, you know, free agent rookie free agents. You know, guys that have, you know, been around the block, you know, just old retreads. Um, I like that they're not doing that. They're giving these guys a look. A lot of those guys that you would bring in later, like we were talking before, Tuesdays, you know, during the regular season, you know, you know what you have there. And then they come in to try out to actually see if uh, they're going to be, you know, better for your team. So I like what he's doing. He's giving the guys here a run. And I mean, you're right. It's 90 guys and they keep, what, 55 and. X amount was it 50 dressed during the year or however many so I mean mm-hmm. still a lot of guys are going to get cut so you're right not bringing in one of those guys that uh, you know it's like they're going to have what are they going to do All right, do you see this guy making the final roster is he going to help or is he just going to be one of those guys that you know oh he's a healthy scratch so I'm happy he's going with what, what he has in camp um, especially with uh you know, with Matt Pat in there, once again, I, I think they're at the spot now where they're not just bringing in a bunch of old New England Patriots. You know, you know this guy used to be on the uh, on the on the on the special teams, and uh, he was their fourth, you know, cornerback. So uh, we're going to bring this guy in and give him a try. Or this guy was on the scout team for two years. You know, I'm glad they're doing, you know, they're doing what they're doing by just going with the guys they have right now. Because once again, I mean, if there was somebody better. You know, on the street, he'd probably already be in somebody's camp. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think, uh, you know, third year under Bob Quinn and just kind of having the type of guys he likes, this is a scheme he's used to. There's never a time since he got the job where I thought Bob Quinn was sleeping at the wheel or he just was like, oh, we're good with our roster. But I do think he's letting it play out a little bit here. He's letting the coach kind of take take the reins and – I think that can only be a good thing. I mean, you don't need to be bringing in street-free agents. I mean, we always joke about our, our boy. What's his name, Grifka? The uh, defensive tackle that we love so much? Flew. 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 We would bring him in every other day, and it's like him and Joik and Tion, and it's like these guys that we just had in the revolving door coming in and out because not only because our talent wasn't good enough, but we were always getting hurt. I feel like the injuries haven't been bad, knock on wood, yet which is a good thing. So we definitely don't need to be bringing in players left and right, but that means that our current players are either performing or are not are healthy, which is nice. And I think that come the season, like you said, every Tuesday, Bobby Quinn will be bringing in people looking for, for upgrades. But if our guys that are here can do it all the better. So I feel good about that as well. Um, so Grifka, the New York giants are in this week. Our last kind of news and notes, just talking a little bit about these joint practices in Allen park, kind of what we've heard, what we haven't, First thing I want to throw at you is you hear this uh, back and forth about Big A, Sean, getting dropped down to the second team. Um, we'll get to him in the first preseason game here in a minute, but uh, I guess uh, didn't come out very well for him, and, and he's getting shifted around and moving some defensive linemen around up and down on the uh, depth chart. What do you think? I'm slightly disappointed. I mean, obviously the coaches feel there's other people behind them that you know need to jump them that, that they would uh, – they feel would be a better on the team, you know, better running with the first team. Um, a little disappointed that he got, uh, you know, dropped down, to be honest with you. I was hoping for big things out of this guy in his second year. Um, 
and, and once again, I know he was a stud out of, you know, the University of Alabama, and he, he had a decent rookie year, you know, you know, wasn't, you know, anything, you know, superstar-ish or anything, so I was expecting him to make a big jump this year, but uh, here he got bumped down to the second team. I don't know if that's just used as a motivator or, um, you know, maybe he thought he was just, you know, already entrenched, you know, and like, oh, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the starter. So he felt that maybe, I'm not say slack off, but maybe not work as hard and, you know, maybe pull back the reins a little bit. But uh, maybe this will jumpstart him, you know, become a little more, try to be a little more dominant, work a little harder, you know, get back on that first uh, first team. Because one thing, once again, we don't want to miss on one of our early drawn draft picks that, you know, are stuck behind other people or just that rotational guy like when the rubber meets the road, you know, late in the fourth quarter when you need a stop. It's like young, the guy's supposed to be a young stud, and he's like standing on the sideline for some journeyman guy because he didn't work as hard. So, yeah, I wasn't, uh, wasn't too pleased with that. Yeah, I can see you not being pleased, but I'm actually kind of, I don't want to say excited about it, but I'm, I'm cool with it because I feel like if he's not performing or if the coaches don't feel like he had a good game, the only way to show these players – that they're not performing and they need more from them is either jump, bump them down the jet chart, take away some of their money or, um, you know, lose games, you know, suspension or, or all types of things. So obviously we're not there with uh, Aishon, but I, I love, I always felt like Jim Caldwell would say, Oh, it's a meritocracy. The best guys will play. But I, I didn't feel like that. I felt like most of the time it was the same old guys rolling out there no matter what they did. So, I mean, I like Aishon overall and I think he's, got some unique traits, but here's my thing with him. He's been here a few years now, and, like, I don't know what he is. Like, in in the draft, he dropped, which nobody really ever explained, and then he got here. It's like, oh, this guy's a man-child. He was, you know, he looks like he's 40. It's like, yeah, but is he rushed the passer? Does he stop the run? What does he do? And he's always just kind of been there. He's only had a few flashes in games that were really exciting, and everybody, everybody keeps saying, well, this will be the year. This will when he'll be good. So, I don't know, man. I really – it's year three, I think. I don't even know what we have in this player. And, I mean, I like his size and athleticism. But, hey, if, if Matt Pad's not happy with him and needs him as a second-string rotational guy, um, I'm fine with it. Not as worried about the draft placement as much as put the best people out there that will make plays. So, hopefully he'll re- rebound and hopefully this will still be a good season for him. But, hey, if you're not making plays, you get bumped down or you don't get you don't get snaps. That's how it happens. What, what else are you hearing with the uh, camp and everything that's going on? Um, biggest thing was that uh, reading something along the lines of that, uh, you know, our middle linebacker, our young middle linebacker is not having that great a year or that great a camp. Um, that worries me a little bit. Um, once again, you know, between first and second year, hoping for a big jump. You know, I don't think he played very well against Oakland. I mean, we can talk about that later. And just reading what's happening, you know, in the uh, joint practices with – the Giants, he's uh, not looking too good either. So to be honest with you, once again, that really that really worries me. Um, he's supposed to be like the leader of that defense, the guy you know making all the calls, you know putting everybody in the right positions. Um, yeah, he's young, and like once again, I know I've used this term before, but either you know you might be a little paralysis by analysis that he's just missing things because he's not wanting to make mistakes, and that's uh, it worries me though that he's not. Uh, He's not where he should be. And maybe that's what the coaches feel, but I mean, who else is going to play middle linebacker for? So it might be one of those things that, you know, I don't want to say, you know, you got to throw him out there. You got to let him, you know, learn under fire. So, 
That that's I've I've heard that and I'm not it's just that it's a big thing that worries me. All right. So for everybody out there listening, uh, Griffith's talking about Jared Davis in the middle. I know he didn't name him by name there, but uh, Jared Davis, man, he's our middle linebacker. He's like the leader and the captain of this defense. I know I sent Griffith and a few other buddies an article where uh, a reporter that I like a lot kind of uh, he pretty much tore up Jared Davis. Said he had a terrible practice. He was couldn't cover anybody. He uh, was just couldn't even keep up with you know the Zach Centers of the world on routes and whatnot. And like to me. It's another guy I'm stuck on. Like when I see Jared Davis in his uniform and I read these articles about how he tries so hard and all he loves is football and he's fast and physical, I get super excited. But there's been too many reports come out and too many game films coming out where it's like, man, this guy does struggle in coverage. Everybody knows that. Like he is uh, having some other issues in practice and in these games. Like I'm still booking him in the middle as our as our captain and as a great player here for the next five, seven, 10 years. But man, like you say, those, those reports and those notes will get worrisome. So hopefully Davis uh, gets it figured out. He obviously has the skills and the ability and uh, we definitely need him in the middle there. So that's, that's a good one. Uh, Griff that you brought up. Uh, I guess the only other things I'm hearing down there is kind of, uh, you know, the Lions seem to be getting the better of the Giants and a lot of the red zone opportunities. Kenny Galladay with some red zone touchdowns. I've been reading about Marvin Jones keeps killing people um, all over the field. And then they got the whole Slay versus Odell. I feel like that hasn't been much because both those guys are smart enough not to kill each other in, a, in some joint practices. You know, they both know what they can do and so does everybody else. So, I'm not too worried about that, but uh, overall, it sounds like it's it's going well. Too bad we didn't get a look at Saquon uh, down there as far as our defense and whatnot. And some good reports about Ziggy I heard today. Ziggy, I guess, was having a couple of real good practices. They move, even moved him inside, kind of like an inside rusher, and he was tearing people up. So I love hearing that because uh, we sure are paying him enough where he should be doing that. Yeah, that's a uh, that's nice to hear that uh, Ziggy's had some good practices. Um... Once again, though, I'm not quite for sure what the Giants' offensive line is. I know they just got Nate Solder this year. And uh, I read, um, was it the first practice they had against them? Solder kind of, like, dominated him. Ziggy didn't do a whole lot with him. But it's nice that he was able to come back and, you know, produce a little more. I know what the Giants had, you know, Will Hernandez, you know, that that guard. So when I, I read uh, a few guys have beaten him. I mean, I realize Hernandez is a rookie. You know, take it for what it's worth, but that guy was like supposed to be rated one of the highest, you know, NFL linemen in this draft. So it's nice to hear that, um, you know, our defense or the defensive line is doing pretty good, especially on, you know, stopping the run. Um, but once again, I'm not quite for sure where the New York Giants offensive line is that, um, you know, is that good or if it's, you know, that great now. I'm not quite for sure. So, but it is good to read that, you know, read and hear stuff like that. Um, another thing I just wanted to bring up really quick was, you know, you know, a few things I've heard about Tease Tabor and his development. Um, he's, it sounds like he's like very high risk, high reward. It sounds like for every good play that he makes, you know, he's jumping around, you know, he's getting burned on a double move or a guy's just blowing by him on a nine route and he can't keep up. So, um, I know we had talked about this before about seat, about, you know, speed and his, you know, coverage ability, you know, and having instincts, but, you know, I, I don't know where he'll be at or, um, his position on the team. If like, once again, the coaches can't trust him it's like yeah he may jump around make a play but you know knock down the ball then the next play maybe it's like okay just run a nine route and you're gonna run right by him and he can't keep up with you and then you gotta depend on your safety for you so um 
Matisse Tabor, I mean, I'm, I'm, once again, I was, I was pretty high on the guy when they drafted him. I still want him to do really, really well. I'd still like to see him here in a Lions uniform, you know, like I said, for the next seven to ten years, as long as he's producing. But um, hearing that, you know, he's, you know, one plays, you know, jumping around making a play, and then the next play is just like getting burned on a double move or just can't keep up with the guy. You know, that's another thing, you know, just, you know, you know, makes me worry about worry about the defense a little bit. Yeah, uh, tease, tease. I think is always going to sort of be both a hit and miss. And you know, in a perfect world, yeah, he'd be uh, our second corner. But I think we got to be realistic that after the glowing reports early, I mean, he seems like a guy that if he can be a, a good depth corner or third or fourth corner and and use those instincts, get a few picks, that would make me feel good. But um, we knew coming out of the draft that he didn't have good time speed. He's supposed to have good NFL speed. So I think it's just something we'll have to keep monitoring and see if he if he can continue to develop and be, you know, an impactful corner. I mean, I don't want to lose him either as a high, pretty high second rounder, but I guess I'm not expecting as much as I was initially based on what I've heard and read. But he, he's important and, and everything else you said was good as well. So we'll, we'll keep our eye on it. Uh, I'll actually be down there tomorrow. Uh, if all goes well, to kind of check out the final practice. So get a good eye. Look, it's kind of just going to be a walkthrough, but that should be fun. So we'll keep our eye on it. Now, Grifka, what the people all want to know about is preseason game one. They're dying to hear our in-depth coverage of preseason game one because it's so vital to the season. Now, before I pitch it to you, I've entrusted two people to uh, sum up my uh, take of the preseason game one for you. And I will introduce them to you right now. This is what I thought about preseason game one. That's pitiful. I mean, it's absolutely pitiful to, to perform like that. Pitiful. It sucked. It stunk. Struggling. 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 So, Grifka, two of your boys, Mora, and I got Broadway Joe in there for you. I thought it was just a piss-poor performance by the Lions. I, I didn't see anything other than – uh, Amir being a nice surprise, the way he looked and the plays he made, carry on was something I enjoyed. Everything else, I thought we didn't look very sharp at all. I'll just pitch it to you. You go. I might hit struggling a few more times as you talk, but uh, I was not impressed, so I want to see him get better this coming Friday. All I know is, like, we always talk about struggling. All I know is, we always talk about how hyped we get for football. And then it's like, oh, yeah, game one preseason. And then you get into the game and you realize, yeah, this is why I'm not a huge fan of preseason football after a while. Um, yeah, you're right. They look – the run defense was – gosh, it, it, that made me worry. And I realized, oh, it's just the first game. They're getting their feet wet. But, you know, you're watching the game, watching Chris Spielman call the game, and he makes the comment that it's never a good sign that Anthony Zettel's making all the tackles downfield from behind. You know, that's, I mean, it's nice. Don't get me wrong. It's nice. Anthony's at a high motor chasing the guys down, making the play. But, yeah, I mean, Chris Spielman's right. At the point of attack, you should have somebody else there as opposed to Zettel having to come all the way down the other end of the line, you know, in, in the second level, making a tackle. So the run defense, I mean, it, so that's what was nice to hear, you know, in practice with the Giants, you know, that's improved. But, gosh, that, leave, that left me really, really worried about that. I'm like, gosh, if this, this is going to be a long year if it looks that way. And then I know other guys, like, yeah, I, we had mentioned that we wanted to see what they actually had. And I know I mentioned I really wanted to see what Jalen Rees Maidman had. And that guy, I realized he was fast, and maybe it was just Oakland 
you know, using the schemes to get guys open. But, I mean, a point where Jalen Reeves-Mavens, you know, covered, you know, Martavius Bryant, I mean, on a crossing route, and Bryant just, like, runs right by him. I mean, it's just like that. Either that's, you know, coaching, the scheme needs to be cleaned up. But there was a couple times he did that. And actually on one of them, one of the plays, they, they ran the drag route, Oakland did. And the guy covering um, Martavius Bryant, like Reeves, like stepped right in front of him and like knocked him off the knocked him off the defense, you know, to try to pick him up. I don't know if it was a zone or, uh, or uh, obviously it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been a zone if the guy was if the Lions defensive back was trailing Bryant. But you know that was another thing too it was just a breakdown that way. So for as much as I really want to see that guy have a good game, and once again it's just the first preseason game. I mean, you want to say struggling? I think Jalen Reeves Mainwood was really struggling there. Um, struggling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, uh, um, like I said, nice surprise. I mean, I know what I talked about to see uh, Amir Abdullah. I um, mean, was like, he he had a good game. Um, once again, not sure how uh, he, you know he would do against you know, a bunch of first stringers because I realize uh, Legarrette Blunt. Uh, you know, uh, Amir Abdullah got some against first, but it looked like he got a lot more against like Oakland second and third string. Uh, you know, Carryon Johnson, he had a pretty good showing as well. You know, coming out of the gate, and I re- you know realized Theo Riddick did not play, but. Um, if Amir Abdullah can play like that, I, it's going to be a hard time for Detroit to be able to, you know, cut him. Maybe once again, we how we talked before trade bait, especially if you know they're not going to get rid of Blunt. They drift. They just drafted Carryon Johnson, and Theo Riddick's going to be your third down back. I mean, so uh, it, you could have four guys dress on Sunday, but you know, I mean, you usually run with three running backs, and you, uh, and and you'll uh, healthy scratch one uh, one running back. So uh, um, it was nice to see Amir have a good game. So I was, I was pretty happy about that. Um, yeah. yeah, let me jump in here, Griffith, with something. So a big thing that I saw in game one, too, that I didn't hit on in the beginning was we didn't have this guy. <laughs> and when number nine is not out there, we are not going to look good. If we if this guy ever gets hurt, we're done. Our season's done. Our franchise is done because our backups are not good. Uh, Jake Rudock, I'm deciding – here pretty soon cannot cut it in the NFL. He's probably great in the film room. He probably tries really hard, but I'm getting to the point where I'm done with him. I don't know that we can get anybody better at this point, but I think you got to look to upgrade. And then even if Matt Castle can beat out Jake Rudock, like to me, who cares? Like Matt Castle's terrible too. Like he, he's not going to win you any games if he has to come in and play for this team. So I understand why they sat Stafford and played these two backups because like I said, you don't want nine getting hurt, and he doesn't need to prove anything. But that was another thing that jumped out to me. The minute those two got out there, we were just abysmal on offense from the get-go, other than handing it off. Yeah, I think part of it was also, I mean, once again, I don't want to harp on the offensive line, but I know T.J. Lang didn't play, but Joe Dahl did not look good at all. He, one of them, I mean, just Spielman's like, oh, he, he, he blocked it pretty well. But, you know, the ex-defender, whoever the defender was, you know, just made a good play. And if if you're if you're good, you're not going to let, you know, that defender make that play no matter how well you blocked it. Or there was a couple other plays he just did not look good at all. So I know we talked about Joe Dahl on prior podcasts, you know, if he's going to make the team or not. But he's running with the first string right now. And if it ends up where he actually has to play, that's going to be a big hole in that offensive line. So, um. Grifka, I've got I've got intel on Bob Quinn 
his thoughts on Joe Dahl, courtesy of Pac-Man Jones. It was a bad decision. It was one of the dumbest decisions I ever made. Joe Dahl, I tried to stick up for you. I'm done with him, too. He's a turnstile. Get out of here. Yeah, he definitely looked like that against Oakland. I, once again, realized it's the first game. Maybe he'll you know, be a little better. But uh, I've you know, read a couple things even against the Giants, you know, running with the first string. Joe Dahl's looking completely pedestrian. Yeah, yeah, he's done. So I agree with you. There were some offensive linemen sitting out, but still just was not good up front, both offensive line and defensive line. We already talked about the linebackers not looking good. Um, you know, I saw a few flashes from Tracy Walker. I have him here on my list that number 47 seemed to be flying around and hitting people, but I still don't know what his role is or if he'll even see the field on Sundays. But I was a little encouraged by his physicality I still haven't seen him cover or make any plays from that perspective but Amir Abdullah looked good I mean could he be trade bait could he not be we'll see I think I'm sitting with Amir saying hey unless somebody offers me a fourth rounder I'll just hang on to Amir as a good good running back depth like you said you broke it down already like will he would he play I mean I would think he would play between him Theo Blunt and carry on. I mean, I just saw carry on on special teams a little bit, so I'm sure they could sort of figure out how to make that work. But uh, I'm just here just hanging on to a mirror unless somebody gives me a fourth or higher form and makes me a deal I can't refuse if, if a player's involved. But carry on Johnson, Griff, but talk about him for a minute because to me, he looked like everything you look for in an every down. NFL prototype back when I saw him in the uniform, when I saw him touch it, when I saw him catch it out of the backfield, like, man, he looked sharp to me. Yeah, he did. He looked like he had a good game. That was, that'd be a nice, you know, opener for him. Um, Once again, he was doing that against probably a lot of second and third stringers. Um, Didn't get too many runs with the first team. So I I hope when Matt Pat wants to give him some, uh, some carries with those, with first stringers to see what he can actually do against a little, a little tougher, stiffer competition. But uh, he did look – I was pretty impressed with him, but that was one of those things. He was drafted. They've been hyping him. So I was happy. I don't want to say he lived up to the hype because that might be the wrong terminology. That might be putting way too much pressure on him. But what they were expecting him to do, um, he did it. So I, I was very happy with that. It, it looks like he didn't shy away from any runs, hit the hole pretty hard, um, pretty quick, quick steps, everything like that. So I was, uh, I was pretty happy with, with how he played. But I would like dude to had dude had burst, man. He he like so when he saw that hole, he went and he could. I like the way he caught the football too. Like he did that a bit in college, but I thought he looked really fluid out there in those routes. And then one of my buddies was like, "Does uh does Amir look look different to you?" And like to me, Amir looked like the same player. He's just doing all those juke and jive. He gets real low. He's got the powerful lower base. So I thought he looked the same. I just thought he got a little bit more room to run. I mean, maybe used him a little bit better than before. I really like that little flare-out pass they got to him where he caught it and was going to score, but that stupid infield. You love that infield, don't you, Griffka? Oh, yeah, I love watching football games that are played in baseball stadiums. You know, the views, though, the way that, like you said, the way the field, the way they have to, like, I wish they would leave the pitcher's mound in there for a game. That would be pretty sweet, wouldn't it, where you're going to cover a guy and all of a sudden you hit the incline of the pitcher's mound and stumble. You know, that's awesome yeah. how they do that. Yeah, yeah right, right over the uh, – the rosin bag, you know, yeah, sweet. Like, trying to run a seven the, route. The, yeah, the cleat, the cleat wait, wait, cleaner wait. that they always put on there. We, yeah. we just we just added baseball talk without Rod Allen. Well, I'll scratch that. We'll edit that later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you seriously, can, you can just though, leave like, Rod Allen out of it. 
<laughs> Seriously though, uh, you did mention Chris Spielman earlier too. He was he was making fun of the field, and I don't know what you said. Like, I don't know if you were negative on him, but there's I love Chris Spielman as an announcer. Like, I mean he. He, to uh, yeah. me, is fun to listen to. I like his tapes. I like the fact that he's played the game and knows what he's talking about. And when he's a little bit of a homer, I like that too. Yeah, I love listening to Chris Spielman call a game. He, uh, Especially the Lions games, you can tell he's one of those guys that he can call, he's called like, you know, he'll call the Lions game, he'll say how he played for them. But he's different when he calls other games. Like if he... Uh, He's not one of those announcers like when he's calling a game and be like, "When I played for Detroit," or like, you know, just mm-hmm. like, yeah. I'm I'm glad he doesn't do that. I mean, we've heard other announcers do that, but I love listening to Chris Spielman call a game because he is he is very knowledgeable, and especially when he calls a Lions game, he'll he'll call him out if like a guy did something bad or terrible, he'll call him out. He won't try to sugarcoat it, and that's what I really like about him. You get a lot of those Homer um, announcers. And no matter what a guy does wrong, it's just like, oh, the sun was in his eyes. You know, he must he must have hit a rock or you know something like that. It's always it's always something why that happened. Where Chris Spielman will be like, can't do that. That's not good. That doesn't help. Doesn't help at all. You got to improve on that. You know, your technique is bad. Look, your technique there. You know, it's almost like that. He's watching film, and he and he's telling you this is what needs to improve on it. So he's like calling out those guys. And so yeah, I love listening to Chris Spielman call a game. I was just mentioning how he was saying how Joe Dahl was like block, you know, block to play good, but the guy still got the sack. And you know, a, cre- mm-hmm. you know, a credit to that is you know to the guy making the play because the other guy just made a play. But I mean, if if you're blocking it that well, Chris, I mean, the guy's not gonna make a sack. You know, that's one of my things that I yeah. questioned right there is what it was. But yeah, I love listening to Chris Spielman call games. Yeah, he does great. Um, like you said, it's not about him, but I really love when he starts breaking down the the linebackers. You know, the keys they need to be looking for. It's not, it's not like, I can't remember exactly what it was, but he had some really unique insight on something that just jumped out to me in the game where I was just like, oh man, you could only hear that from like a former player or a guy that played at his level that was so good playing the, playing a linebacker position. So yeah, man, he, he's great and really adds to it. I mean, I like Matt Shepard as well on the call. So that, that was good stuff. Um, nothing else Griffka jumps out to me of even, worthy of talking about like I mean I didn't see any players from our receivers I saw Golden Tate catch a ball and almost get his knees taken out uh he was not too pleased and that was uh not good to see but he seems to be fine Marvin Jones didn't make any plays my boy Kenny Galladay had a couple drops but it was weird like even though he dropped the ball which is terrible like the fact that he got open and the way that he dropped it still made me think this guy can be a freaking monster this year so I wasn't too upset but I was like man make that play but uh you know, maybe people will keep sleeping on him if he doesn't. But uh, other than that, man, I, I can't think of any defensive plays that wowed me, anything that looked really good. I mean, like I say, the one drive with the Amir touchdown, the big run by Carrion, and terrible defense and terrible quarterbacking right. what I remember. I mean, the terrible defense, maybe it's just they're learning a new scheme. And I realize Marshawn Lynch had that one touchdown called back because of a hold. And to be honest with you, it didn't even look like that you know great of hold i mean that was, that no, was, that that was, that was that was really ticky tack if it was but i believe that was what he ran right by like tavon wilson tavon wilson was like totally out of the play i think that's who right. it was and that was just like oh gosh and you know don't get me wrong if that happens in the regular season they call it back for a hold i'm jumping for joy but you know something like that like i said i don't know if it was because of the new scheme or they're just um you know it was just you know a misread or it was just miscommunication you know, between, you know, the back end. But, uh, 
that that play looked really bad. The size of the hole that Marshawn Lynch ran through, and then Tavon Wilson like running at him, and then realized, oops, he's by me. And by the time he, you know he got adjusted, Marshawn Lynch is you know ten yards beyond him already. So yeah. that that play hey, really hate to, hate to call you out, Wilbur Quinn, because you know you're my guy. Looked like he was in quicksand trying to catch uh, Marshawn. That was not good. I know he probably didn't have the perfect angle, or or he was a little ahead of him, but. He sure didn't catch up any ground on good old what's Marshawn like thirty four years old thirty two yeah, something like that yeah I think after that yeah like Marshawn you know back you know back to the sideline actually grabbed like one of those little carts that you see at Walmart you know like you know to, to go back to the sideline because you know he's going to be part of AARP after after uh, this year yeah but that's what I'm saying he's he's that but he made Glover Quinn look like a tortoise. He uh, totally left him in the dust there. I mean, GQ is great playing the ball, but those legs might not be what they used to be. Because, yeah. uh, or, or he just said, screw it, it's preseason game one and, and put it in uh, yeah. gear three yeah. instead of gear one. Yeah, I don't want to hurt my hamstrings. You run for a meaningless <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah, it was good that one didn't count, too. But, like you say, wins and losses don't matter. But the way they looked, I was really not very excited. Nobody jumped off. Like, even the rookies, even the non-drafted guys that we're going to keep an eye on. Like, nobody jumped off and excited me. It was just kind of like a ho-hum kind of game and get out of there. Just no injuries, which was important, no big injuries. So I was happy about that. Excuse me. Yeah, I'll, I'll start to worry more. I know it's just uh, we always, you know, you tend to put a lot of uh, a lot of stock in the preseason. But I know three game three is always that benchmark for it's supposed to be, oh, it's supposed to be the dress rehearsal. So if they look that bad come week three, you know, even if, like, the offense isn't moving because, you know, Stafford's going to play. Then I'll then I'll start to worry a little more, um, but as it is right now, it's just yeah, it's preseason. Your guys were out there for a couple series, and then you moved on. You're trying to get some those you know those ninety guys into the game, you know to uh you know like I said make it out without any substantial injury. So pretty, I was I was fine with where it was at. You know, like you said, a few guys made plays that we were looking for, but a few guys we were really looking for to you know, maybe take a step forward this year and didn't have such great games. So um, hopefully, uh, you know, game two against the Giants, you know, at home, they, they come out and look a little better. Yeah, definitely. So I think me and Griff could definitely agree that the Lions for the first two season game, as excited as we definitely agree that they were struggling. But we have we have faith in Matt Pat that he'll get it together and that we'll get going. So, so no worries there. So Detroit Kool-Aid, everybody, uh, we're going to cut it off there. We are going to uh, start coming to you with some more episodes here and there. We're still trying to work out a schedule, so just keep your lookout on your podcast app or wherever you uh, download the show, and uh, we'll be coming to you with more. So we'll be doing a preview of uh, the next game against the Giants coming up. We'll have some other news and notes, so keep it right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, everybody. We'll check you later. We're out. Drink it in, man.